Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese and we've just been through match day three now, another thrilling weekend of football, three really high quality games in particular between Inter and Lazio and Inter, between Juventus and Roma and between Fiorentina and Napoli on on Sunday evening. Um, Lots of goals in the other games as well. Uh, Let's get straight into it. Okay, let's start with the the biggest game, let's say, of all. Juventus versus Roma in Turin. Um, This was a a must-win game, or or certainly from Juventus' point of view, it was a game that they absolutely had to perform much better in after a a dismal draw at Sampdoria uh, in the, the beginning of last week. And the game finished 1-1. Juventus took the lead in the first half through uh, a brilliant free kick from, from Dusan Vlaovic in the, in the opening minute. And then Tammy Abraham equalised uh, off a corner in the second half. Um, so Nima's already done a post-match podcast, which you, which you can listen to on, the, um, on uh, you know, patrons only. Um, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll give my, my, my point of view first here. So uh, obviously everybody that, that, that listens knows that I've been very, very critical of Allegri since he, since he returned to Juventus and uh, in particular or, uh, as well this season. Uh, things, you know, he, Juventus haven't started well there this season in terms of just their overall play and performance level um, before this match against Roma and in pre-season as well. Um, I thought that in the first half in this game, uh, although it's not my type of football, I thought Juventus were very effective. Uh, Allegri's football was very effective in the first half. Juventus were were sitting off, not super deep, but they were letting Roma have the ball and then stealing the ball off the the central midfielders as Cristante and and Matic, and then launching launching fast counter attacks, and that was very effective. They created a lot of a lot of good openings um, that didn't always culminate in big chances, but a lot of a lot of t- times that that they you know they 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 should have really put the game to bed in the first half. The Vlaovic scored a fantastic goal. Locatelli scored a fantastic goal that's disallowed, and there were lots of other moments that that you know could and maybe should have, have led to, to to more goals. Roma really were were overwhelmed um, in terms of Juventus's intensity, um, but you know unfortunately uh, Juventus couldn't keep it up uh, in the second half. Um, I think it was uh, a little bit. Max Allegri kind of going into his old trap of trying to just contain uh, in the second half. Um, but I also think it's it's also a thing that Juventus put so much intensity into that first half, they couldn't maintain it. And they looked gassed, I think, by the, by the hour mark. And this is something that um, we've seen before with Juventus we, under Allegri in the last year. And when, when Juventus have kind of, and Allegri has kind of gone against type and played with more intensity and not sat super deep and just try to basically play Catanaccio and counter-attack when they've actually, you know, tried to be a little bit more proactive and put put men forward and and try and take the game to the opposition 
uh, a bit more, which is what they did in the first half against Roma. Um, even though they weren't really playing, a, let's say, a possession-style football, they were playing with a lot of intensity. Um, they couldn't keep that up. And that happened last season against Inter in the home game in Turin, which was probably their best performance. And also against Villarreal in the, the Champions League second leg, uh, last 16 second leg last season, when they were played with lots of intensity in the first half and didn't get the goal. And then they just completely fell apart in the second half. And they just were exhausted in the second half. So, you know, I think that, yeah, Juventus, you know, they need to be able to maintain that kind of level for, for longer than they, they have been in these, these few occasions that they have tried to play this type of football. Um, so, so yeah, they, 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 yeah, they couldn't hold it on. And the Roma came back into it and I thought were the better team in the last 35 minutes, the last half an hour. And yeah, they got, they got the equaliser. I mean, for me, Juve were outstanding for an hour. Absolutely outstanding. I think Mourinho said it best after the game when he said we were lucky in the first half to, to just be trading by the goal. Um, Juventus showed that their highest high is very high and they are levels better than Roma when they play at their best. Um, and the, the way that they dominated the midfield, I mean, the, the aggression was absolutely fantastic to see how they won the ball up really high whether it was Locatelli, Miretti, whether it was Vlaovic or Cuadrado, they were they were on Roma like white on rice. They didn't give them a second to breathe. Um, I really, really liked uh, a couple of things. Miretti, I thought was he has to start now. I mean, that was what a performance, what a, what a player, what a little jewel they seem to have on their hands. I mean, I said in my post match reaction pod that you know, have did we just witness a star be born? Because the way the maturity which he showed, um, the the aggression, the, the, this ability to to transport the ball between midfield and attack, um, no, I, I really, I really, really liked. I understand the comparisons with Marquisio much more now because Roma are a good side, and Juve didn't give him a sniff for an hour, and they were unlucky. Um, I think the, to disallow the goal was the correct decision based on how the rules are. But what a goal by Locatelli. Absolutely stunning rocket. And he was great as well. Um, I thought Danilo and Bremer together in mid-central mid defence was really, really good as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. really like that partnership. Yeah, Tommy I mean, Abraham didn't get a kick like, no, the whole game, until, no. like, apart, from his goal, apart from his goal and that yeah. another chance where he kind of miskicked it. Miskicked um, it, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, thought, no, but, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it looked, they looked balanced and they looked like he's... I mean, that would be the way to go. I still think you should play a back three with Danilo Bremer and, and uh, Gatti to the left. I think, that, that's, that, I, I think this Juve was made to play a 3-5-2. Um, but, you know, we'll, I, they weren't exactly... They, they were really good. Um, for an hour, I thought they were outstanding. I thought what was better about Juventus in this is, even though, and I will still maintain this, I, I, I still maintain that you know, Juventus, if you want to be successful over the course of a season now in modern football, you need to generally you need to be having more possession uh, and having more territory than Juventus even had during this game. But, but it's a bit like especially in the first half as well. Um, but I thought that if Allegri is going to play this way. This is the way that that you've got more chance of having success with it, a more kind of Antonio Conte style because we know like Antonio Conte his mm. teams don't have much possession, no. but but when they do, 
there's you can see the method. There's a clear kind of methodology. There's yeah. methodology that when they have their periods of dominance, they look like scoring. They they've got that intensity and they and you know when when Conte's teams are on top, the periods that they're on top, they look they like score. they look like scoring. They look like creating chances. Yeah. When they attack, they attack as one. They attack as a unit. You yeah. know, it's not this this kind of a, which has been the big problem under Allegri throughout his reign, and is what we were discussing last week after the Sampdoria game, where it was abysmal. Was there's just the team? There is just no team. There, there has been no team. There's been no unit. The team hasn't moved as one. When they attack, the rare times mm-hmm. that they attack and move, they don't. They, they, it's all disjointed. There's huge gaps between the defense and the midfield and the attack, or no midfield, as was the case against Sampdoria. In this game. There was in the well in the first half to first 55, 60 minutes, there was that. When Juventus were yeah. attacking and launching these attacks, they were launching the attacks as one. It was yeah. compact. It was yeah. they looked so that was better. And that is kind of they need to build on that. They need to try and take the positives. I mean, I could sit here and criticize Allegri loads for the way that the second half Juventus sat off. But I'm you know, I want to try and be positive. I want to try and take the positives from this game. I think game. a lot of that um, is also because of the heat. I, I don't look it's very hot in Italy right now. It's hot all over all over the Mediterranean. I mean we're seeing reports about, you know, forest fires and droughts and whatnot. It's very hot right now. Yeah, I don't it's uh this takes a lot out of the players. I mean we saw it even in Rome. That was an evening game. Um and you know, just on the sidelines, just standing still, both coaches looked like they'd taken a shower before after 10 minutes. I mean, it's incredibly hot right now. It's incredibly humid. And I think that takes a lot out of the players. Um, but yeah. no, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, 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 if I'm going to be critical, which I was a little bit, I, I think he, he is his worst enemy here a little bit. His subs Granted, were bad. His subs yeah, were bad. And we'll what, come, we'll, we'll come, come to Simone Inzaghi and how bad his subs were. That was, this weekend across the board, that was something that was noticeable. Um, Look, the thing is though, bad that substitutions Allegri, Allegri doesn't, didn't, doesn't really have a lot of choices here. That's the thing. I think, I think he got it wrong uh, from the start against Sampdoria. Here he got it right from the start. But he, he his substitutions. Yes, he, he has an excuse here or, or 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 caveat here that he doesn't exactly have the best uh, substitute substitutes to maintain that kind of football. Um, but mm. to me, it's still it's it still is 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 frustrating for him for me to see that you know he's a little bit his own worst enemy. I don't understand why he can't you know if you know change it up because I mean that's what he's when he's at his best he changes it up through a game. You know, you started with a four-three-three. That's great. When when things got tired, well, then switch to a four-three-one-two and bring Milik next to Vlaovic. But he didn't do that. And and then I don't know. I I, I feel like there was, there was there, this was a missed opportunity for you. But I really think it was a missed opportunity because I think looking at this game, if you watch this game. Juve cannot be happy with just one point because when you dominate the way that they did and impose yourself the way that Juve did for an hour, you should, the game should be in bed by then. And, yeah. and for Ro- and, 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 well, and, on that and, note, but this is this is the problem. This is what I've been going on about all during the preseason: is that Juventus don't have enough goals yeah. in their team, no. even when they're playing well, even when they're yeah. playing well and they're completely on top in the first half. You know, they yeah. don't have the, the the goal scorers in their team to to finish. Yeah. You know. You can talk about Vlaovic's wonder strike. I mean, I saw the XG, but you, you look at what Vlaovic's wonder strike and Locatelli's wonder strikes. Those XGs are like ridiculously low. They're wonder goals. They're miracle goals. Both of them. Those yeah. that's like 0.05 XG you'll probably get for those goals. You know, so um, you know you're getting nothing from them. And then if you actually, but if you actually genuinely look, and I mean, I did say before that they had a lot of moments that could have led to clear cut chances, but they didn't. 
create them, so that doesn't count. How many how many difficult saves did Rui Patricio have to make in this mm, game? Not that many. I can't think of any at all, really. No, I, you I, know, think, so I think a lot of had a good chance where he took it out wide a little bit, and then it didn't become yeah. a big chance because he the, the first touch he, he took it too 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 wide, and then you know that could have been a really good chance. But they, they didn't really create that many clear cut chances, and the, like I said, no. there isn't that many. You know, the, but having said that, though, on the other side of the coin, Roma created nothing other than offset pieces. The only chance they had no. was the corner and then they had another one afterwards where, you know, it was badly defended as well. And, you know, they could have they could have got a goal. Um, so, you know, it, it was they, they were they were unlucky. They did deserve to win this game, Juventus. That they also, uh, well, I agree on the lot of they should have had a penalty for Smalling's handball. I mean, that's ridiculous. I have to, look, for me, for me, that is a handball. Like, I don't know. That, that's that's a penalty. I, I don't get the decision. It's clear. it's clear. But the thing is this, I have also read before this season where they were talking about that they were going to be much more stringent with handball offences in, in the penalty area. And I'm thinking, well, the law hasn't changed. It still says, you know, if it's unnatural position, above shoulder. Mm. Um, but there's also the deliberate aspect. I think maybe they're going more on that in the sense that, you know, they 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 argue that you know he didn't do it on purpose, but that just that makes handball offences pretty much impossible then to to get a penalty. If yeah. it, if well, it's I, I don't I, I, I don't yeah. understand. I don't. I'm confused. Well, the, the I, is, I, don't I have looked for the answer, but and I've not. I'm yet to find it because to me that's about as clear clear cut a penalty you're going to see. I mean, his his arm is by his head. It's not a natural. It's in position. front it's of above his, his head. It's, it's in front and, of and his it's in head. front of his head as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't understand it, and I've looked everywhere, and I've not seen any former referee. I, I haven't seen anything from Marelli either. I haven't. I don't understand the decision, and but I do remember them saying that they want it to be much more stringent. This, this and I think that's how handball. it should be, but not in this case. You know, um, I, I, I think that. Yeah, but they need. There needs to be cohesion, Carlo. This is my point. There needs to be a clear cut. They have to explain why and how and when. Well, that does need so to be explained. That, this really does need to be explained because, I mean, you know, I don't think there can be an explanation. I mean, it's it's, it's a penalty a hundred times out of a hundred. Well, I mean, the thing is, the only the only argument is it's not deliberate, and I don't think it is deliberate. I think it's clumsy. I mean, he's not deliberately handling the ball. That's yeah. the only reason. But then that makes it impossible to do yeah. penalties. But you jump, with your, you jump with your hands in front of above your shoulders in front of your head. <laughs> it's a handball. For me, it's it's a clear penalty. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand the thinking here because the VAR showed it. They show, I mean, everyone reviewed it and saw it. So I'm thinking the, the reason why they didn't give it. There was, was another small in, there was another yeah. small in handball which was, again, also a bit clumsy, but it was totally accidental. And I agree, it wasn't a penalty, where, where, he, where he was kind of making a challenge and his arm ha- happened to be out while mm. he was making a challenge yeah. and he kind of fell on it. And that, is, that yeah. is definitely unnatural. That's where they need to be more lenient because it's kind of, he was making a challenge yeah. and that kind of, that can happen. That kind of thing can happen. But got, jumping up for a header with your hand in front of your, above your shoulders in front yeah, of your head, like a, punch, like a punching motion. I mean, there's yeah. just no... Even if it, even if you try and argue that that is, you know, when you jump in the air, your hands do come up a little Unnatural. bit. You just that yeah. is just you you just can't do that. You know that you you have. No, to I find it strange. I, I, I'm know. I'm I'm trying to I'm 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 just you know I'm, I'm going to keep looking to see if I f- can find some sort of explanation for that because I don't understand it. If yeah. if if there's been a change of rule or interpretation or a new policy. Then, then, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna, you know, on Thursday or whenever, I'll, I'll ex- on the on the Patreon only pod, I'll explain it um, more because I've I don't understand it. To me, that's about a clear cut of handball offense to even do in a penalty mm. area. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Um, just, just. We, I mean, you touched on him very briefly, but Miretti. I mean, it's still early days. We haven't seen enough of him to really say how good we think he can be. But he was, he, he was very, very promising signs in, in, in this, in the first half in this game. But for me, I like. There's a few just little things, little small details, which you know, I maybe I appreciate more because when I played, I was a midfielder, central midfielder, attacking central midfielder, and there's a few little things I like that he does the way that he receives the ball and he attack he, he's already always forward thinking the way that he does little passes into the like into Vlaovic into the front man he follows his pass like little gives and goes uh, and yeah I, I this I'm intrigued by him let's say that I need to see more of him exactly uh, That's I, where I, I'm, I, well. I'm intrigued I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by him and then there's no uh, I mean it, I mean it, you just look at the difference when Moretti's been on the pitch, both in the Sampdoria game and no, also in, the, in this game. Um, night and day. I mean, I mean, to be fair, it's not hard when, when the others no, are. No, but, but Rabio, and... I got to say, no, but Rabio was good. Rabio, Locatelli, Miretti, that's mm. Juve's midfield trio right now with this current squad. You know, we're recording this on Monday 29th. Yeah, Paredes will be, will, be, will be official soon. I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, if, if it's like that, then I'd, uh, I mean, I, I really liked it. I, I thought Rabiot was really good these two games. I think he was, um, he, he gives them the dynamism that they need. Um, and, and it's clear that Zakaria, they, they see him as more of a rotation player, which I think is fair. I think he was a horrific. Good he, him and McKenney when they came on. Yeah, no, McKenney, McKenney, I wonder if, I mean, we know that McKenney's had some sort of shoulder injury, dislocated the shoulder. He looks so off it. That's not I mean, the reason. But yeah. No, no, I know you don't like him and all that, but I mean, this is, he looks I think I, I, I'm just glad that all Juventus fans see it now because it, they, I got so much abuse for ages from Juventus fans. Oh, McKenney, why are you so horrible to me? Well, guys, you can see it now. Guys, no, I, I think this is more than, I don't think this is ability. He just looks off it. He just looks, he looks off. He's just like not good he's enough. Not, he's just not good No, enough. but, but that's, that's a different thing. I'm talking about his current form. And to me, that this is a player who's just not match fit. He's not, he's just not in, he's just not, he's just off. Uh, and he looks off his body language, the way he moves. He's just, he I'll tell look. you else, I'll tell you who else looked off. I, I'm dying to get your opinion on this. <laughs> so let's start off with the funny because there's also a serious incident. So there's, a, I'll tell you what, everything is going off at Juventus at the moment on that off the pitch. I mean, two of the most craziest stories I've seen in a long time uh, and just genuinely insane overnight. I mean, both I mean, of them. Let's, let's start with the funny because then there is, we do need to talk about Pogba because that is serious. <laughs> Pavel Nedved. Now, at first I saw this, I saw people talking about this, I thought, this has to be some kind of joke or, or That's what or I something. was thinking I too. thought, is it, is it like, you know, remember when Silvio Berlusconi, they used to have that actor that used to like make videos pretending yeah. to be Silvio Berlusconi. Everyone used to fall for it. Like the one where there was like the traffic warden and he was pretending to spank her ass. And then he had him yeah. like picking his nose in the coffee shop and like all this kind of stuff. And I thought this, this, this must be like some kind of actor pretending to be Nedved that's, that's doing this. But it's not. It's him. So there's, there's two. I got to say, I got to say to our patron Misak Ulikian, who sent that video to me, I was like, "Well, that's not him. It is him. Yeah, yeah. It's him. I can't. I mean, it's just. Well, let's just just for those who haven't seen it. There's two incidents. First of all, there's Nedved. He's in having like some kind of house party, and he's basically with three girls. They're dancing to some music, and he's like in the middle, uh, like a sandwich in the middle, and he's groping. He's groping the breasts. Look, of, there's nothing of, wrong of, with of, that, as say. I mean, it's not. It's consensual. They're all having fun and whatnot. Yeah. It's just a little bit embarrassing. His wife necessary. might not be too happy about it. Well, that's you know, that's I'm between sure. that's their problem. I mean, that, <laughs> that's between him and his wife. But 
um, I, I don't think it's a scandal. I think it's a no, little no, bit no, no. embarrassing and it's a little well, bit... Yeah, like, whoever leaked it, it's a private video. Yeah, it shouldn't have it's, leaked exactly. It, yeah. It's a private video between friends. Yeah. You know, whoever leaked it and sent it around, I think it's, that's a bit of a dick move, if we're perfectly honest. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, is. clearly, you don't do that to your friends. Um, yeah. And I think he has the right to have a personal life. And this wasn't out at a nightclub. This was clearly no. at someone's home. So yeah. it's somebody he knows. So I think yeah. I find I find it the whole thing a little bit... I don't, not, I don't care. I just think, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing. You know, it's it's like when you see videos of yourself when you're drunk out. You know, it's it's embarrassing. You're embarrassed. It's a normal human em- emotion and feeling. It is what it is, yeah. but it's not a scandal. But what is embarrassing for sure is the second video of him in the street. Yeah, that is. Yeah, why isn't he in a taxi? I don't understand why he's not in a car. Like, why is no, no one... No, it like, why is he it. not? Because, I mean, that he looks absolutely shit-faced. Yeah. And he can't walk straight in a line. No, and it's no. just like... He's, it's bumping into the, he's bumping into the wall. Yeah, he's and... bumping into walls and stuff. And it's like, you're thinking, yeah. well, you know, you can, you can afford a cab. You can afford that, that, that doesn't look good. That that More from the sense that Juventus are in, you know, under so much attack at the moment. Things are going so bad and have been. And his position in particular... Like every nobody, nobody knows what he does still. <laughs> like, mm. No one knows exactly what his role is. No one. I haven't spoken to anyone, even those that are close and that actually know what Pavel Nedved's role mm. is at Juventus. <laughs> nobody knows what he does. Um, so that that just that is just going to add to the pressure on him. Again, it's unnecessary. I don't think it's a scandal. I have no problems with people being drunk on their off time and doing whatever. I just think that it's unnecessary, especially someone in his position. He knows. I mean, it's one when you're walking on the street at that stupid o'clock in the morning, off your face. I mean, just get into a car. Just you know, I'm sure you have a I'm sure you have a phone where you can get an Uber or something. I mean, mm. you, do you know what I mean? It's just I don't understand the problem. Um, it's it's unnecessary. Maybe he was walking from that from that house. Maybe. Well, probably, but still, <laughs> why not get a taxi? I mean, at that point in time, you know, just there's no need for it. Be a little bit more discreet. So for me, it's more embarrassing more than anything. I don't I don't see the scandal of it. Mm, okay. Um, the second part, though, this Pogba thing, I I still feel the whole thing is a piss take. <laughs> I feel like this is this is someone playing a hoax on us. The entire story is so mental it's mm. it, it just it doesn't feel real no i still don't fully understand it to be honest well I've, basically I've tried, what's, to read what's as, come I've tried to read out. as much of it as i can but it doesn't really piece together very what well. it comes out what so what has been reported in the french media is that paul pogba is being blackmailed by a group of people and one of those people is his older brother matthias mm-hmm. um and they want x amount of money and this this whole thing started in in Manchester United, they 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 you know he told the he told the report he told their lawyers they contacted the police. Um, now they're you know now this Matthias has gone on social media saying he's going to reveal the truth about his little brother, um, and he kind of outed it yesterday after Paul Pogba fight fought back, um, you know filing a report with the French police and pretty much is basically saying that. Paul Pogba, you know, this Matthias Pogba is saying that Paul Pogba hired a witch doctor to put a hex on Kylian Mbappe. I mean, it's it just feels completely bizarre. Um, and, and Pogba is obviously denying it. And things have really gone bad between them. And and and, and apparent, according to Pogba, he's he's allegedly being blackmailed. They're asking him for thirteen million euros. He's talking about an incident when at Manchester United when he when one of his friends were there. He helped, obviously, these people, uh, his childhood friends, but, you know, one of them misbehaved and stole a credit card and maxed it out for 
euros and the whole thing feels like just a really weird episode of jerry springer crossed with you know i don't know hollywood hollywood reporter crossed with the the national Enquirer kind of thing it, it's just bizarre and you've got mm. witch doctors and you've got i don't know what and poor Kylian mbappe is involved somehow now and I wonder what the motive what would the mo- I'm just trying to think what the I'm trying to think what the motive would be for for, Money. for Pogba get no for Pogba, yeah obviously from there but I mean what would the motive be if it, this was actually true about the witch doctor what could possibly be the motive for Pogba casting a spell on 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 Mbappe <laughs> I don't know. like I'm just you know trying what? I'm just I'm just trying I'm just I I'm just trying to work it out like I don't I don't see it like you know it's not like Tonya Harding and uh, yeah, they're playing the same position. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Where no. they're both going for for yeah. you know going for the gold medal or yeah, something. They're or, not you know, competing or, over the same. They're thing. not competing yeah. for anything. So I don't see you know. Surely no. you know they don't play in the same league. They don't play. Their teams are not. I mean, Juventus never going to challenge for Man United. Never going to challenge for anything. You know they want France to win. That's good for France to win the World Cup. So I don't. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't really. Um, yeah, it, I don't it, understand it, either. It doesn't, it doesn't make much sense. Either. It doesn't make I don't much understand sense to me. either. I mean, the whole thing just feels really dumb and, and yeah. crazy. And and I but having said how that though, going. having said that though, Nima, is this does seem to be something that goes on a lot in the France national team because the Karim Benzema and Valbuena uh, incident yeah. was also similar, wasn't it? It was all gangs involved in that and blackmail and and you know this does seem to be something that seems to be quite rampant and rife in in France. Among, yeah, it's not the first time. The, you know, yeah, among probably. players. Um, but, I mean, I know this does happen in football. I mean, like, you know, there are, you know, there is a dark side to football where yeah. the underworld does have control over, over you know, these billionaire footballers. You know, it happens in, yeah. you know, but even like the ultras in Italy having control over certain players and what they do. But, you know, also that, you know, you go back to Maradona's time where the, the Camorra were, Camorra were, were basically yeah. in control semi in control of Maradona and you know this has happened and does ha- still happens but this just is yeah it's just such no a... this this feels like this feels almost scripted like this yeah. is do you know what I mean it feels like a like a really bad daytime soap opera do you know what I mean mm. it, it just feels completely the more it goes and, and I just feel like the more I read about it, it's like are they for real these people like are they real like is this actually happening this feels so bizarre and Juve can't be happy with with this i mean they bring they bring him in he was half injured they already they kind of already knew it allegedly mm-hmm. um he gets he he worsens his meniscus and now he's gone for 40 days he's not going to have the operation he's prioritizing the world cup ahead of maybe Juve. Mbappe cast a spell on Pogba made him oh, injured God, but his meniscus no, maybe maybe that's stop. maybe that's what it was there are maybe no that's spells what it was. Jesus. maybe that maybe that's what it was and Pogba's getting his revenge now and, and, and he wants to he wants oh, to cast a spell on on um, yeah, yeah the, oh, no it's, it's bizarre the, yeah it's, it's absolutely bizarre Absolutely. The juju, the juju. No, stop, stop. The gin, the gin in your, the gin, in, your yeah, exactly. in your part. Of no, the world. it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Stop it. Let's, let's let's be rational here for crying out loud. I I seriously don't think Popov was hired a witch doctor or a witch something or witch whatever to, to cast a spell on Kylian Mbappe. But I think the whole thing just is absolutely bizarre. Mm, okay. Anyway. I'll tell you what. Even uh, even the best witch doctor in the world wouldn't get Juventus to win there. To win anything, <laughs> maybe try that. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Roma because um, we've spoken about Juventus now. So just just quickly, um, from the Roma point of view, what what do you think that they take for, from from this game? Um, 
Actually, I'll go first because you've already done your, your, your post-match. So what I took from this game from Roma is something that I said um, during the first weeks of the season that I remember I asked, you know, having a two-man central midfield in a 3-4-2-1, would they be outnumbered? Would they be too open? That's exactly what they were in the first half. They, the two-man midfield of Matic and 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 Cristante, who were, who were awful, especially Cristante. He was, t- I mean, he got he got completely outplayed by by Miretti, Cristante. Um, you know, is that would that be an issue against bigger teams away from home? I said those exact words, and that's exactly what played out in the first half. They were way too open. Juventus were just that was Allegri's game plan. It was sit wait then just press and swarm the, the two-man in midfield yeah. and then break through that space. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, Mourinho, Mourinho said it himself that they were lucky, that they, you know, lucky to only be 1-0 behind at half-time. And then he made the changes and he kind of went to a 4-2-3-1, 4 3 It was more of a 3-4, in my opinion, it was more of a three-man centre midfield in the second half. Uh, they had an extra man basically in the in the center, and you. No, I think what he did was with Pellegrini. He, it's like without position, it was a four three three, and in position, it was a four two three one. And, yeah, and I yeah. think against the big teams, I think that's how he has to play or play yeah. a three five two. But regardless, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think Mourinho said it best. Um, they were lucky. <laughs> there's no, yeah. uh, there, there's no doubt about it. And I think we saw um, the why I. Think this no this this talk of Roma be winning the Scudetto is is ludicrous because I just don't think they're good enough. They don't they're 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 not there yet. I don't think they have the quality to 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 win this league and and they showed why against Juve. They have they have weaknesses and and, and I guess the better teams that's going to be exposed. I thought they sent to midfield and this is why I said said at the beginning of the season. I didn't I don't think you Roma sent. I think Roma sent midfield is 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 a problem. Not not a problem, but is is a weak area. It's it's not. I'm not. You know, there's there's too many. There's centre midfielders better than them, and you know, even Juventus midfield dominated them. Um, and I think that yeah, Cristante and Matic at centre midfield. You're not gonna. You 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 know. You, I'm not sure how far you can go with those two. And and maybe you need yeah. Wijnaldum being injured is a big blow for that reason. Uh, you know, maybe you do. Need well, they're bringing in Madi Camarana. They're bringing yeah. in Madi Camarana from Olympiacos. Um, well, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I'll be honest. I, I I don't know how how good he is. But I've um, seen. I mean, I, I I mean, I reported in summer 2020, two years ago, that they were that Roma, Fiorentina, Milan were all interested in him. I mean, back then he was a 23 year old. He was 23 years old. He just come off the back of winning the domestic double for. Uh, Olympiacos League and Cup double. He'd scored quite a bit of goal as well, goals as well um, in those uh, in those seasons. I uh, he, if I remember correctly, he he'd scored seven goals, six goals in the league, um, uh, both his first season, eighteen nineteen and nineteen twenty. And then obviously because they didn't let him go, or because Olympiacos wanted fifteen million euros, they didn't you know, and no one was willing to pay that back then. Um, he was, you know, his motivation went, and he's only 25 years old. Um, I, I, I think he will. I think he will do a job for Roma. I think he suits Mourinho really, really well. And and I'm and I'm happy he's getting this move. I'm happy for everybody involved. I think this is a good, a good move all round. And it's a loan with an option to buy, and it brings the value of the transfer to around 14 million. If 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 Roma buy him, he's only again he's only 25. Um, I I like it. I really I think he can do a job for Roma. And I know that he wants to play in the Serie A. I mean, he's been linked to Fiorentina. He's been linked to Napoli as well. I know Napoli was was um, 
looking at him very closely, a good co a colleague of mine in Greece, Antonis Okonomidis, he reported that he was very, you know, Napoli was seriously considering him before going after Anguissa. Yeah. Mm. So it is he. There is a player there, um, and, mm. and 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 I think he can actually do a job for Roma. Yeah, better than Cristante for sure. Let me put it to you that way, because I do not rate Cristante. Never have, and never will. Yeah, he. I thought he did all right in the first couple of games of the season, but yeah, he's he's. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure of him. And and Matic, Matic grew as the game went on. I thought, but he's his lack of pace is a, is a big big. It's a big big problem, especially against teams that 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 do what Juventus did, where they swarm you and then attack you. And he's just too slow. He's too slow, Matic. But yeah, I thought he did. He did. He did play well as the game went on, Matic. I thought. Um, and Mourinho also you do have to give him credit for for making the changes and 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 um, yeah, getting getting the point out of them. Um, okay, let, let's let's move. Oh, just one other point: the the, the Juventus fans who booed Dybala. I mean, wankers. <laughs> Sorry, just have to say it. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah, it wasn't nice. I mean, to be fair, most of the most of the most of them applauded him, but there was quite a yeah, and uh, quite a few fans. You could hear them clearly. On the TV, but, but. well, he still got. I mean, he didn't get an assist, and, and he, um, he, you know, and then Tammy still scored. I think. I think this is like learning money, learning curve for Tammy Abraham, who's still pretty young. I mean, he still got a goal despite a very bad game, which is important for a striker. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Lazio Inter on Friday night. Lazio won three one. Uh, I thought this was a. From a neutral's point of view, I thought this was an absolutely fantastic game, a brilliant, brilliant game. Uh, I'll let you take it away first. Let, from from let's start from the Lazio point of view first. No, I wanted to say that I want to speak about yeah. Lazio first because I think Lazio deserve nothing but praise for this performance. Maurizio Sarri, I've said in previous podcasts that uh, this this season that I think they look so much more solid defensively than I've ever seen them, and boy. Are they solid defensively? They got it absolutely spot on. Sarri's, Sarri wanted to push Inter out to the to the wings, where he doubled down with two men on Dumfries and on uh, on, Dima, uh, on 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 Di Marco, um, and and he he just and, and pressed really high. He closed down the space in the middle, took out Brozovic, and it just frustrated Inter uh, uh, completely, um, who looked flustered and tired. Um, it was a it was an even first half, um, but then again, the you know the, the first goal they scored is just classic Sarri. Granted, Inter completely collectively fell asleep. De Frey and Bastoni are way too deep. Skriniar is the only one in that in, in, in that situation that is where he's supposed to be. Di Marco's way out of position. Gagliardini is facing Handanovic for some reason and not putting pressure on Milenkovic-Savic. Brozovic realizes too late, and Lukaku isn't 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 pressing. No, it was, it was, and Handanovic doesn't come out. So I mean, it's it's just a collective collapse. But that is classic Sarri. That through that long ball behind the defense, and Felipe Anderson just you know places the simplest of headers. Uh, it's it was a stunning goal, and they scored quite a few of those. Um, and no, they were outstanding. They were. He's got his tactic. I mean, the thing is, when in, when Simone Inzaghi, when Inter in the second half equalized and are dominating, and we, Lazio really are on the ropes there, instead of pushing on forward. He doesn't. He he waits, and Sarri then makes two three changes, 
and brings on uh, brings on uh, Luis Alberto and, and Pedro, and, and, and then the, the initiative goes back to Lazio, and they don't look back after that. Stunning goal by Luis Alberto. Um, no, it was it was absolutely insane. Pedro's was lovely. I mean, you know, the, the, the Mobile should have had a penalty just immediately before that, but you know, instead, of the, I, I like that they give play the advantage, and if you score a goal, then the, the match should stand. Um, so no, no, I think uh, I think Lazio were absolutely outstanding, and they've got depth for once now as well in in, in pretty much all positions. Maybe not in central defence, but but no, I, I was com- I was so impressed by Lazio, and I was so impressed by Sarri. Uh, so yeah. tip of the uh, hat. Sarri for me, yeah, Sarri for me was was got his tactics spot on. Uh, they were compact. You, you mentioned last week, didn't you, about the defence that, that they do look yeah. much more compact this season. Um, he's he's. He's although Luis Alberto come on and, and I mean he didn't hasn't been starting has he but although he came on and obviously produced the moment of quality that really won the game um, you know they're going for a more you know Bassino and the Catali they're going for for players with more um, substance let's yeah. say in 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 the centre of midfield rather than you know the the, the kind of uh, artistry that, that that Luis Alberto brings um, but. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought that they you know they pressed into central midfielders uh, and they tapped from there, kind of similar to what to what Juventus did. Yeah, they, kind of, they, they gave up the possession absolutely because you expect Sarri's team to have more possession generally, but actually Sarri switched it up a little bit yeah, and then he, he, he let Inter have the ball and they targeted the space like you said between the full backs and the centre backs, especially on the Di Marco Bastoni sides, which has been a weak area for Inter when Di Marco. Yeah. Plays there. I mean, I, I it's, it's weird. I mean, I guess I jinxed it as usual. Um, you know, we were speaking in the preview in our preview pod on this game, and I was saying how Demarco really has, you well, know, he has he has grown on me but, so much. Um, but the you know, problem is that he, so, his, this game didn't suit his characteristics. I mean, this is the thing that you know. This is why you have so many different players with different t- characteristics, and 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 he got it wrong with Demarco. He got it wrong with with Gagliardini, Even though I think I understand why he played Gagliardini. People need to remember that this Frankenstein monster that Gagliardini at Inter has two jobs: to score against teams from from Liguria and to to mark man marks Milinkovic Savic. That's Conte. He's the one who invented it. Uh, Inzaghi's just continued with it because he was the Lazio coach and he saw how good Gagliardini was doing that under Conte. But the issue is that well, Sarri's there now and he's seen through it. And Milinkovic Savic is such an in- intelligent player that you can't. You need to adapt how you play against him. And Gagliardini, brilliant for pass from Milinkovic Savic. Yeah, it was stunning. But I mean, this guy. is what I mean for yeah. that first goal. He's completely, you know, Gagliardini's completely out of position. But it's a stunning. I mean, look, there's no doubt now that Sergei Milinkovic Savic is the best midfielder in the Serie A by a mile. No one else comes close. No, not in terms of his highest highs or his depth. His his depth in terms of how many positions he can play. He doesn't have a single weakness. He's never injured. He's got a good shot. He's good in the air. His craft, his vision, his passing—all fantastic. No, the, the, he's a complete midfielder. He can play in every single one of those midfield positions centrally. He can play deep. He can play as a Metzala. He can play as a Tequatista. He's absolutely fantastic. He is the best. Can La- the big question now is: Can Lazio challenge for the top four? I th- I, don't th- I still don't think they're good enough to finish in the top four. I think they'll, mm. they they will give Roma a, mon- a run for their money for fifth, uh, and also Lazio. To me, I have both Roma and Lazio as dark horses in the Europa League because they have. We know that Sarri knows how to win this trophy. He's done it with Chelsea. We know that he 
he can now he's also has got options and depth. So I'm I'm saying watch out for Lazio in Europe. In, in the in 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 the Europa League, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I, not, I'm not. I'm not sure about that, but I do. I'm think... saying they're a dark horse. I'm not saying they're favourites. Yeah. The favourites are Man United and Arsenal and all these usual teams, and whoever comes down, which could be Inter as well from the from the Champions League. Um, but they're a dark horse for sure. Yeah, I, I think that it, this is this game also showed again what I said before the before the game that the top eight are just going to take points off each other all season. Right. Eight in fact, brothers. we've seen it. We've seen it in all three, all three big games. All, yeah, the eight, yeah, the eight brothers. We've seen it in all the big three, big three big games this season. Yeah. And they kind of that the result didn't go for, let's say, or hmm. the, the three points didn't go for the, let's say, the biggest team or the favourite, let's hmm. say, of the, of these matches. In uh, the bigger team, they didn't win. Juventus, let's say, in terms well, I mean, of name, three bigger days team, in. they drew. Yeah. We're three days in the season, and not a single team is has maximum points. No. Yeah. I mean that that is very early. And that, six again, teams on 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 uh, seven points. Yeah, as well. on seven points, and and I mean it's like like we said. I mean this is going to be the Serie A where the where the top seven or top eight are going to play their own Serie A. Um, you're going to have the top, the bottom four, five having their own Serie A, and the rest are going to be in the middle. It's going to be three Serie A's, and I think it's 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 going to be tight. I mean I think from one to seven, one to eight. It's not going to be that many points that divides them, and they're no. going to take points off of each other. It's a very evenly balanced Serie A. No, I agree. Sure. I agree. It's going to be absolutely. But fast. I just got to say, I mean, this—you know—a packed Olimpico, those songs, the chanting, ten thousand Inter fans, um, the atmosphere, the music. I mean, this—you talk about great advert for Serie A. <laughs> this, this, this had everything. If you're a neutral, you watch that game and you loved it. You absolutely loved it. It was beautiful. It was Italian football from its most beautiful side. Mm, yeah. Um, okay. Just, just, just to expand a little bit more on Inter. We've already spoke. I had. I did want to talk about Demarco. We've already done that. Um, I want to talk about Lukaku. Um, now, two two parts to this. First of all, do you think, as I do, that Lautaro will Lautaro, who scored a, a really great goal himself. Um, Will Lautaro outscore Lukaku this yes. season? Number one. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think he will. And number two, Lukaku is too early for us to to have any to make any you know uh, you know concrete uh, observations on Lukaku as to how he's going to do this season. But I have to say, I I, know, I said it after straight away after the first game. He, he looked he looks he looks still a little bit. I know he's had an injury now, but forget about the injury. He looks like he's a little bit off it. He's not. He's missing something. He's missing a quarter of a yard or half a yard from his first foot. He's basically the Chelsea Lukaku. <laughs> Let's say that. You know, it's still early days. You know, he's a big guy. Sometimes those kind of plays do need a little bit more warming up into a, into a season. He had an awful year. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying, but so far, he he. You would agree he's been a little bit underwhelming in terms of his overall game. He's still, you know, he's still been he still scored. For me, goals, but... this is this is down to him overworking. Um, he is working really hard, and he has been working really hard. Um, I think he needs to, you know, they need to find the right balance of the level of training, the intensity, and and what he's doing. I think this injury suggests to me that he's overworking himself. Like he want he wants so badly to mm. succeed at Inter and redeem himself. It's, 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 you know, and that's where Simone has to kind of calm him down and take control of the situation and say, look, I know you want to work hard, that's great, but you, you're, you're going to get injured, um, which he is now, and he's probably going to miss out 
he's I mean it's the kind of injury where two to three weeks probably. Yeah, I mean he's gonna yeah. miss he's gonna miss he's gonna miss every you know he's gonna miss until the international break. He's I don't gonna miss he's the gonna Derby for sure and probably the, well, for the Derby for game. sure, Bayern Munich as well, mm. Cremonese tomorrow. Uh, he's gonna probably I mean I think he's gone until the international break, until after the international break. Um, Which is last September. Mid September, isn't it? Third week, I think, of September. Yeah, mid yeah. mid 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 September. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, so I think that's that's just what it, it is. What it is. Um, I I think he. But the thing with Lukaku is we know that at this point in the season he's always looked like this. He's a slow starter. It takes time for him to get going. Um, and I think this injury might be the little bit of a wake up call for him that he needs. And I think for Inter it could be a blessing in disguise because I think. Lautaro, last season, towards the end of last season, Inter were outstanding in attack. The free-flowingness with Lautaro as the, excuse me, with Lautaro as the tip of that attack, the killer, the focal point. I think he needs to be that. And I think against Cremonese, we'll see Dzeko start next to him. And I think against Milan, we'll see Joaquin Correa play next to him. And I think that's the way to go. Um, Inter, Inter should, you know, and that's good because if, if they get, if they get a couple of good results, you know, against be if they win against Milan, if they get a draw or, or even win, heaven forbid, you know, God willing, to to Bayern, then um, you know, then they're you know, then then that puts pressure on Lukaku to, to 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 does he get in the team? I think eventually this is the kind of thing you iron out, but I think this kind of makes this, the the choice easier for Simone. Um, in that he can he can revert back to what he knows works. He doesn't have to shoehorn in Lukaku into this. Um, so you think he's and, shoehorning and Lukaku in a little bit at the moment? I think a little bit he is shoehorning. In what way? In what way does it differ from Zinzaki's usual well, or the way he wants season, to play? Well, last season, Inter didn't play like they do now. They don't throw the ball high up to Lukaku to for him to hold it up and then play off of someone. And it makes the midfield, Brozovic, Chalanoglu and Barella, completely obsolete. They like to have a lot of the ball. They like to one-touch passes, movement, you know, the the, the the triangles that I've always spoke about on this pod about how Inzaghi likes to create numerical advantages and triangle in midfield and, and play his way through. They don't do that as for, for as long as Lukaku's been there. It's just been Di Marco, long ball up to Lukaku, who wins it, plays it off to, Luka, to Lautaro. And, and that's... That's not that. That makes and you can tell that the midfielders don't like doing that. They 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 they're not in the game, um, and and that's something that I think we'll not see now. Now, okay, Brozovic and Barella haven't exactly been good, but and, and they need to step up again, step up their game. But it's um, I think this is um, I'm, I'm I think this is good for everybody. It's back to a little bit what worked last season, in which you know works, and for Lukaku to maybe slow down and do a bit of rehab and let his body recover. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a good thing for everybody. Um, and, and I think with Inzaghi, um, I, I liked what I saw against Lecce when he plays a three, four, two, one, when he needs to, it's controlled, it follows a pattern, but I do think that, um, Lautaro needs to be the main man now. You, you know, I get he wanted Lukaku. I get why he wanted Lukaku, etc. but I think he needs to let Lautaro be the main guy because he's good enough to be the main guy. Um, and and he's I mean that goal he scored that's a, that's a killer that's a poacher's goal that he scored against uh, Lazio, and and he's looking more and more like that player, and I think that's I think it's it's only fair that he does that. So I'm not panicking, but the thing that I didn't like the most is this, and we saw this last season with Simone, when he when he chickens out, but then he learned from it. The you know there's lots of things. I mean the, the f- fact that he 
you know, when, when he needs to, you know, needs to manage a game to win, he kind of chickens out. Okay. Last season, he had the excuse that he didn't have that many options in midfield and that he was new. Now he doesn't have that. He's got the players that he needs to play his football and he needs to go for it. And I felt that to me, it was a step back in the sense that it felt like you haven't learned anything despite last year when you saw that you learned your lesson last year, but it seems you've, you've forgotten it. And he needs to sort out, finally, the third thing, he needs to sort out that defensive line. Inter, he needs to get the balance right. Look, you don't have Milenkovic and Bremer. You can't play that high up. You need to get the balance of the team right. Otherwise, teams will rip you apart on the counter like and, and play the ball behind you like Lazio did. Brilliantly, mm. by the way. Yeah. No, I, I agree. There, there's definitely, they, they need to sort, they, they need to decide, you know, he needs to decide, you know, is he going high, is he going low, and then play the right players accordingly. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, okay, let's move on to Fiorentina versus Napoli. Um, now, I thought this was a, was another great game, I, I, I have to say. Even though it was nil-nil, I, I thought it was a it was a gripping match. I, I thought that all three of these matches that we've gone through in depth there were were a great great advertisement for 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 Serie A. They were With everything. all due respect, I have to disagree a little bit here. I think I, I like the intensity and everything around it, but I saw far too many simple individual mistakes from both Fiorentina and and Napoli's midfield. Ironically. Um, which I've I've praised. Really? Okay. Yeah, there were so many misplaced passes, simple misplaced passes, simple mistakes that you don't expect from from Lobotka, Anguissa, Amrabat, etc. I thought I thought Amrabat was a monster. He was I great. He, he was, was brilliant. brilliant. I thought he was great, but there was there were there were a little bit too many simple mistakes for my liking. But I agree with you in the sense that the the, the I mean the, the Artemio Franchi when it is like this it's it's like a it's it's boiling isn't it and and it, it was a high high tempo game and I really liked that um, but but for me there were a little bit too many individual mistakes simple unforced errors from from both teams for me to really think that this was a high quality like the other two I think the other two games were much better in terms of quality I think this is a this was the third best game so to speak of those three. Yeah, I I thought Fiorentina did a great job in if you, if you think that you know Napoli are coming into this game flying so many goals in their team so dangerous and you know Fiorentina this is what I love about Italiano he took the game to to Napoli with the you know pushing high up the pitch and and trying to pin them back and and I thought they did really really well I mean Napoli I thought Napoli Napoli had the, the bigger chances I think Lozano missed an absolute sitter I don't know how he missed that header. At the back I have no idea. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. I mean, it was a very, very simple chance. I mean, just but... get it on target at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's all he needed to do was get it on target. <laughs> Head it down on target, it's a goal. Yeah, he um, missed the entire goal. It was yeah. dreadful. And, and, but, you know, I thought they limited them. And I thought, again, a bit like Juventus, that in the sense that they didn't have many clear-cut chances, Fiorentina, but they had a no. lot of... Uh, openings where if they just did the right final pass they they would have had a big chance and they were let down by that uh, and I thought that Sotil was was very very lively but was again just let down by his his final pass but I, I, yeah. I thought that you know Agreed. he showed that there, there is a lot of promise there Jovic I thought was was terrible it was um, invisible for, yeah, for he this was, game he, he was terrible invisible. and when you're talking about simple passes given away he he for me I agree there with him 
he was giving it away, really simple passes, laying it off, giving it away. Um, yeah, he, he needs. Yeah, he definitely needs to do better. I think Italiano showed how you're supposed to play against this Napoli. That's the blueprint. You have to. You you can't let them attack you with pace because they'll rip you apart. Um, you need to maybe not man mark like Dodo did with Quaratschelia, which was really interesting to see. He I really thought he did job. great. I thought he did, did great. great. Yeah. He did great. But I mean, to me, that was that, that's why. Yes, I know that Fiorentina not conceded for three games now. But this, that kind of defending is very, very shaky. Like it's a risky way of defend, defending. Yeah. Basically, it's man mark, man man marking. Um, yeah. And when you play, whenever you pl- whenever Napoli played past Fiorentina's first press, they would have they, they were there were oceans of space for them to play into. They just couldn't, yeah. you know, capitalize. Dodo, on Dodo it. did great. I, I liked him at Shakhtar, um, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought, but what I saw him at Shakhtar, mainly in Europe, well. Pretty much all in Europe, <laughs> to be honest with you. Not that I watched the Ukrainian league, um, but um, you know, he 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 looked somebody that was better going forward. I thought, yeah. um, and and just ultra attacking, really high up the pitch yeah. all the time, which obviously would suit for events like the Italian. But actually, against Napoli, he was actually very good defensively. Yeah, he was. And 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 uh, yeah, Kavar didn't really didn't really do much except for that chance for Lozano. So, I mean, he yeah. should have still had an assist because it was a brilliant cross. No, it was a brilliant cross. On a no, I, I think this was good. This was a, this was a good step forward for, for both teams uh, mm. in the sense that for Fiorentina, it's a step forward because they get to show that they can defense. Attack is the best defense for them, and it works if they press like that. And if, if their back four wins their individual, uh, you know, Head to heads with their, you know, with the, with the opposition, then they are actually defensively solid. Golini was lucky not to concede uh, mm. that that Osimhen was was offside because he made a howler. Yeah, uh, not convinced by him, never been. Um, for Fior- for Napoli, I think this is this is important. Napoli's problem is always for for Spalletti and whoever is the coach there to 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 manage to calm people down and manage the expectations. I think Spalletti losing his head at the end. I understand when people insult your mother, you get angry, but you're not helping the situation. This is Naples, you know. It, it, you can't. You need to be the calming. You need to be the person with a cool head in Naples. Mm. Otherwise, you risk destabilizing everything. And here's here's what I this this is why I think Spal- is Spalletti's weakness. He he's a bit of a hothead, um, and I don't think that's a very good idea when you're in Napoli. I think you need to be cooler than that. Um, and and again, I understand why he was upset. I'm just saying that he shouldn't have lost. His he holds it in Spalletti, doesn't he? He holds yeah. it in, and then he just explodes, lets it out. explodes and then explodes. Yeah. And that's yeah. not good. That's volatility. And Na- mm. Napoli is a volatile city, and it's a volatile fan base. It's a volatile club. You can't have that and around that. And, and we'll see what what effect this has. I hope it has none um for them but um it's i i do think that there are lessons to be learned here i still think that napoli did were good and i think that it's it's a good lesson for them this early on to to see what 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 happens uh you know what are you going to do when teams play like this against you i think mm-hmm. endombele the more he gets into it you know he's like like you said you know in terms of his individual ability to break through the lines he can be they've a got weapon. a lot of options off the bench i mean yeah. Polit- I, thought politano, I thought politano was really good when he when he came on he ran at the i like raspadori i thought politano was yeah. a little bit disappointing but raspadori i think is when he gets match fit he can do a job for them uh, no look they have options again there's depth in most teams in the Serie A. Okay, we have to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. So, reports, continuous reports about 
Napoli potentially signing Ronaldo. From Manchester United, in a swap deal involving Victor Ossiman, uh, Ossiman would go to Manchester United for, for over 100 million euros. Ronaldo would then go to Napoli on a, on a loan deal with Man United paying most, if not all, of Ronaldo's massive salary. Um, simple question, Nemo, you go first. Should, this, should Napoli take this deal? Absolutely not. Under no circumstances should they take this deal. Um, it's great for Man United. It's a great business deal. Okay, you get 100 million euros. You get Cristiano Ronaldo, who, who uh, is, a, is a fantastic goal scorer. Um, they, they, United pay most of his wages. Financially, it's a fantastic deal. But tactically, it would be suicide. I mean, you saw yesterday against Fiorentina what Osimhen does. He, his movement, Ronaldo barely moves. He walks. Um, when Osimhen drops deep, he, he links up really well. Um, he 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 works. He's everywhere. He, the, 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 the positional movements with the with the other front too. He offers so much. Cristiano Ronaldo at this point in his career is he doesn't do that. He just you know he scores you goals. He will always score you goals because he's a world class finisher, one of the best, if not the best of all time. We know that. But he, I think this would be this this would really disrupt um, how how Napoli play. I I would not do this. I really wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't. From a, from a tactical point of view, I think that what has been so great about Napoli so far this season is that the intensity that they play and how there's just so much pace in the team now, everywhere. Yeah, and they've lost the players, the players that they lost from last season, the aging players and the slow players, Insignia, Mertens, and Fabian Ruiz, who's on his way to PSG now. They replaced the players that they've replaced them with uh, in the in the starting eleven. There's 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 no there's no you know everybody can can follow exactly what Spalletti wants with in terms of the high press, in terms of moving as a unit, in terms of all working hard you know off the ball um, positionally, and you know Ronaldo we've we've seen it you know since he since he joined Juventus and then again when, after he joined Manchester United that you know yes like you said he will score goals but. You know that you can't play as a team with with Ronaldo. So yeah, I think while from a financial point of view, um, it it's you know it is an enticing offer if the offer does come in officially. It is an enticing offer. I mean, you're getting over a hundred million for for Ossiman, and then you're basically getting Ronaldo for a season for nothing with no wages paid. You know, very you know, I think De Laurentiis will. Will ask for United probably to pay all the the, the whole salary. You know? <laughs> he he has probably, no shame. Yeah. I and love him. I mean, yeah. I wish he was the owner of my club because he, he just has no shame. He mm. doesn't care, and it's it only ever hurt. Like that's the best thing about Napoli. You know the fact that he's such a ball buster to deal with. Clubs, everybody knows it, so they don't go near him. They they have all their ducks in order whenever they go near him because they know he's he's just unbelievable with that. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a tricky one because I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned that De Laurentiis takes this offer, and I'll tell you why. Oh, he will. I'll tell you why. <laughs> Not just from the financial point of view, but you know, De Laurentiis is now like in his early seventies. Now he's what like seventy two, seventy three, something like that. And you know, he's probably you know he's getting old, and and you know he's he's very much. I think he will want to. He'll be thinking to himself, legacy wise, I want to be the Napoli president that had one of the greatest players of all time. Well, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, have that in the history books. Yeah. However Ronaldo ends up doing and however Napoli end up doing with Ronaldo and however, 
you know, Ronaldo's remembered as a Napoli player. I mean, that is something to have on your record, you know, when he's long gone, De Laurentiis, and he's passed passed on, you know, in 50 years, 100 years' time. It's like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, the football legend, played for Napoli. De Laurentiis was the president. You know, De Laurentiis holding that shirt up with Ronaldo when he signed, yeah. you know, he just comes across as the kind of, you know, oh, yes. that, that kind of person. That's the kind of person, <laughs> yes. isn't it? He's a showman. He, oh, likes, yes. to, he likes to be the, the He's man. He's a movie producer. Yeah, I mean, exactly. What are we there you go. About? Yeah. So <laughs> that's, what, that's what concerns me that maybe, you know, he might take that. He might take that off. And I maybe think he will. And maybe I think he, he will. And maybe he thinks that, you know what, in Serie A, you know, maybe he will do it for, 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 for Napoli. But, you know, it's this the concern, isn't it, about playing as a team? What will Ronaldo do? You know, also from you know, the Napoli team seem very much together. And have you seen the way that Ronaldo's been behaving yeah. this summer for, for 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 United? I mean, it's been disgraceful. I mean, he didn't he didn't turn up to he didn't go on their on their tour, their preseason tour of the Far East and of Australia, citing family reasons. Uh, you know, then he, he went home at half time during the, the the only friendly he decided to turn up to um, against. Uh, but the thing is. He went, he went home at half-time or during the game, he left. You know, it, on all of his teammates, by you know, by all accounts, are, are basically fed up of him. He's been treating, you know, you know, sulking. And, and you know, how will he, how will the Napoli changing room react to having Ronaldo? I don't know. Um, I guess well, there is that. There is that. But there. one thing would, that would happen is that he would be the undisputed king and focal point of Naples and Napoli. And that would remove a lot of the pressure off everybody else. Um, and I think a lot of players would find it really, you know, challenging, like, you know, a big challenge and a landmark of their careers to having shared a dressing room with him. Um, I personally think that it, I would rather keep Osima, um, tactically. Um, and, and, and my, I'd rather they brought in Keylor Navas instead of Alex Meret to, to replace Meret because I mm. think, again, he showed he's just not good enough. Mm. Um, that is where I'd put the experience, and I think because I rate Navas to you know to the skies, yeah. I think I think that will be unrelated to it. So I don't think that will have any bearing yeah. on the. No, Ronaldo but I mean, if, if you're going to put in like if you're looking to bring in experience or, yeah. or whatever it is, I'd rather put that there. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, but I think you know, in terms of Napoli Scudetto chances, yes, Cristiano Ronaldo still in in a good team with these players is good enough to help Napoli win a Scudetto. Of sure, of course, mm. he's he's a fantastic finisher. Um, <clears throat> there's no doubt about that, but I, I think it's it would be a little bit too short-sighted, and I think it would not at this point in in the window. Mm. I have to say also the, the little that Ronaldo has played this season, he has been terrible, like awful, like yeah. way way off it. I mean, and then if you saw him when he came on at the weekend, he was mm. he was. Yeah, but he looks awful. uninterested. He doesn't want to be. I mean, there. He's, yeah, I mean that that could possibly be it. But you know, again, you know, he's not. But he's gone getting forever. on a bit. He's not yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I mean, he's not going to go on forever. But I mean, we've been asking, we've been asking these same, saying these same things about Ronaldo year after year, and he still keeps, <laughs> he still keeps on scoring. No. So you can never write him off. But at the same time, no. you can't guarantee either. I'm not sure you can guarantee anymore um, with Ronaldo. It's no. it's a difficult one. I think the only way that signing Ronaldo ends up being you know worth it is if Napoli win the league. Otherwise, you know, yeah. De Laurentiis is going against his whole model of, of sustainability. Um, you know, you could say, oh, it's only a one-year loan. So, you know, if it doesn't work out, they just send him back in a year. And, you know, they, but then they still need to sign another striker, don't they? We're using the 100 million, um, which I'm sure they'll find someone. They always do. They're good at doing it. But I don't know. I just feel like they've built this really exciting team. And and it's, oh, I don't yeah, know. I wouldn't either. I'd let it gel. 
But yeah, I mean, it is enticing. I mean, it'd be good for Serie A. It'd be good for oh, sure. <laughs> not that, not that the, the, you know they still wouldn't be able to sell the league, the league, the, the no, Serie A. Not. But you know, it would be, be good for us. It'd be good for our podcast. And Ronaldo, he, he always <laughs> creates talking points and headlines. And, he sure does, and, and, mate, and so does Aurelio De Laurentiis. <laughs> so those two together is a yeah. match made in heaven. Mm. Okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on to so Milan Milan Bologna. Um, just very very quickly on this game, pretty straightforward win, wasn't it for? For Milan, I mean, I think it's what everyone expected. I mean, Bologna really don't have much to offer no. uh, this season. They look, they don't look like, yeah, they're, they're, they're not a great team. Um, I liked two... what I saw from Leao. I liked yeah. what I saw from Leao. I really liked it. He's working himself. He woke up, up. yeah, because he wasn't great the first two matches. No, but he woke, he, he up, woke up, exactly, he did. And and uh, yes, you can say Skorupski was a bit of a howler for that. But, but I mean, whatever. It's it's still a good goal. It's still a good movement by him. And the Ketelet is really looking more and more like he's um, adapting better, to, you know, to life. Yeah, he got the assist. He got the assist. A few and, nice little turns. Yeah. And, and uh, no, I mean, for me, the, the most thing, the thing that I, again, with a penalty decision, how that, how Tomori got away with that mm. is beyond me. Because that is the clearest penalty that I've, I mean... And people are wondering why VAR didn't intervene because VAR can't intervene. When the referee sees a situation and he decides that he doesn't think it is and he's seen everything, then the VAR can't intervene because it's not a clear and obvious error. It's it's when the referee hasn't seen something or, or, or has misread or misinterpreted the situation that they can that they can intervene. But the VAR couldn't intervene. However, it said that, that's a penalty. There's no way you can, you know, I mean, come on, what are we what are we doing here? Mm. Um, but it's it's a mistake, and it was it's a shame because I think I liked the referee in uh, in Juve Roma. I liked the referee in Lazio Inter. I thought they were good, and and then you you know you, it's like you know and then you have these kind of stupid things, you know. Where, 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 where but the question is always, isn't it? Would you rather have a referee get all the little decisions wrong but get the big decisions right in a yes. game, or would you yes. rather a, a, a referee get the big decisions that really affect the game? wrong but get all the little decisions for me i'd rather the referee get the, the big decisions right because they're the ones that affect yeah, the result of the game me too you know? me too uh yeah. i agree 100 percent. i i i i think i'd rather the referee get the big decisions right uh with fabri was perfect as annoying as it is i mean it is irritating yeah. when it's very <laughs> annoying but, but but i mean it's but for me fabri in that case was perfect lazio inter yeah. he was perfect i mean maybe he missed a corner here or there but i mean if that's yeah. i mean <laughs> i can yeah. live with that yeah. Um, that's not a, we're not, you know, that, that's, that's, that's an acceptable, you know, mistake. But other than that, I thought it was really good. I, I liked the level he held. He was consistent. He got all the major decisions, right? The VAR did, did brilliantly. Um, so no, I, I, I think he's looking, I liked it. I liked what he did. But speaking of that, um, our good friend Berlusconi <laughs> was not yeah, happy. Let's move, let, yeah, let's move on to the he other was, talking he points. He was not happy with the referee. I don't know if you saw what he said. Mm. After losing to Udinese, they asked him uh, about the referee. He called him horrendous, and they asked, and he said, what's his name? Di Bello? Well, he should be called Di Brutto. Di Brutto. <laughs> <laughs> Which is chef's kiss. That's out of Mourinho's classic. playbook, that is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is. That is just, it was fantastic that was fantastic, and uh, yeah, and it seems I'm, I'm I'm not seeing anything now. If Stroppa is on his way out, but it seems he is. Yeah. So the other games: Monzo, Udinese, two-one to Udinese, Cremonese against uh, Torino, which was two-one to Torino, Spezia Sassuolo, which was two-two, Salernitana hammered Sampdoria four-nil, 
Verona lost 1-0 at home to Atalanta and Lecce drew 1-1 with Empoli. So, the, yeah, so I think the big talking points are the two managers that are already under pressure, right? Stropper at Monza and um, Verona. Choffi. Choffi at Verona. I, I think... Who's going to go first? I think Stroppa, or I hope Stroppa. I hope Choffi stays because I thought they were good against Atalanta. They actually... I watched that game. They were really, really good. Um, they were unlucky uh, not to score. And Atalanta were very solid. And Atalanta have options in attack as well. I mean, they brought on... Uh, <laughs> the, the, the players they brought on uh, were, were really good. Um, and, and you can tell that this is an Atalanta that is... You know, this is year zero for them, and they're looking. They're going to be a difficult side for for everyone to play this year. But Verona were good. Verona put them in pressure under pressure, and they scored. And they should have scored, uh, but they, you know, they were a little bit unlucky, a little bit poor, poor finishing. But no, I, I think this was a step forward. And remember, Verona played Napoli, they played Atalanta, and they played Bologna, and they have one point, and that's against Bologna away, which is okay. Napoli and Atalanta are teams they shouldn't really be touching. So I think it would be ridic- it would be ridiculous to sack him um, now. Mm. Whereas Monza, they've not they they have they have they have issues. Okay, Napoli losing to them losing to Napoli is okay, but the rest of the games the the, the other two games they played they've been dreadful. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So let's move on. Just before we finish up with Badger and Prem face of the week. Um, Champions League draw, uh, very quickly, on Friday. Um, so, Italian teams, Napoli got Liverpool, Ajax and Rangers. Inter got Grupa Def, Bayern, Barcelona and Victoria Pilsen. Milan got Chelsea, Salzburg, Dynamo Zagreb. Juventus got PSG, Benfica and Maccabi Haifa. So, I think from this, I... I think Milan should be should be okay. I think they should should go through. Um, I think Napoli, I I think should be should feel like they can make it in second place. Although you know AX and Rangers is definitely not easy, um, but I think they can make it. Juventus, I I have third favourites in that group. Um, them versus Benfica for second, but I would oh Benfica. come on, you Benfica. can't be serious. Yeah, Benfica. you can't be serious having Juve behind Benfica. Yes, I do, I do. I have them as I have them as third favourites, and so do the bookmakers, by the way. Um, and Inter, I think will go out. Sorry, sorry. Well, of course they will. Of course they will. Uh, Bayern are going to steamroll everybody in that group and then it's between Inter and Barcelona and Barcelona are a good side not just Lewandowski but their their midfield I mean the players they've signed Rafinha they already Gavi Pedri I mean what what are we talking it's it's, Inter finishing third simple as that I mean it's it's, it's a horrible it's a horrific uh, draw I think Napoli uh, Napoli I have the ones who I actually think are uh, of all the Italian teams have the best chance to win to win their group together with Milan I think I think Napoli can hurt Liverpool. Um, I, I respect Rangers and Ajax, but I I think Napoli play the kind of football that that will do them will help them in Europe. Um, Milan Milan I think should definitely finish in top two and, and Juve as well. Um, Inter look they they have to win their games against Victoria Pilsen. There's no there's no margin of error here. Um, and where Inter are, I mean they start at home against Bayern. A good result there could you know if they were to win. Or draw, that's a good result for them. Uh, but I just Bayern are just insatiable. They are unstoppable. That's that. It's, I that was the team I wanted to avoid at all costs. I did not mm. want Bayern Munich. Mm. Um, but here we are. 
Yeah, you, you can't get much worse than that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, but having said that, if there's one positive from this, I think it does increase Inter's chances of winning the league quite quite substantially. Being out of Europe, um, we've seen it in the last two seasons, mm. with, with Inter the season before and then Milan uh, last yeah. season, it, it really does help. So I think it, it, it could, it, yeah, it could definitely help Inter um, in, the, in Serie A. Uh, Europa League, uh, we don't need to comment on this. Roma, Ludogorets, Betis and, and Helsinki. Uh, Lazio got Feyenoord, uh, FC Midtjylland and Sturm Glatz. And the Europa Conference League, Fiorentina, Istanbul, um, uh, Hearts and RFS, who are from Latvia. I think they should, the, the Italian team should win their groups. I mean, I, I expect yeah. all three of them to win it. Betis, Betis could be a tricky one, but yeah, and... Lazio, I guess, depends how seriously Sarri takes the Europa League. I hope he does. He doesn't usually take Europe. He doesn't usually take Europe seriously, Sarri. So we'll see. Um, with but Italian teams, anyway. I mean, I guess he won it with Chelsea. Yeah, he won yeah. it with Chelsea. So no, I, I, I want him to take it seriously. I really do, and I think he will. I think if they, I honestly think if the three of them win their group, then it gives them a much easier draw in the you know second round and, and going forward. So there's mm. hope. Okay, midweek round. I'm just going to read out these fixtures. Um, we, we will we will have a Thursday uh, episode where we will review, do a midweek review of these matches for patrons only. For patrons uh, only, yeah. as well as as well as um, closing up the transfer market and yeah. um, giving a quick review yeah. of the winners and losers. Um, so we've got Sassuolo, Milan, Inter, Cremonese, Roma, Roma Monza, Empoli, Verona, Sampdoria, Lazio, Udinese, Fiorentina. Juventus, Spezia, Napoli, Lecce, Atalanta, Torino, and Bologna, Solenitana. And Baggio and Prem Face of the Week now. Okay, Baggio. Maurizio Sarri? Yeah, it has to be. Um, he was, you know, he was, <laughs> the way the way he took this game on, the way they started, the starting formation, the approach, the changes, the in-game management, without a doubt, Baggio, for me. Mm. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to Luis Alberto as well. Yeah, for his goal, sensational yeah. goal, uh, and also Dusan Blaovic, which was also an incredible yeah, goal, gorgeous, incredible free kick. Gorgeous. Yeah, Prem face of the week. Well, Do you have any? Well, no. I mean, well, we have. We've, <laughs> there's so many we've had this past week, but uh, I think the 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 the, 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 the Nedved is is so embarrassing it's just to me that is just so prem facery like that mm. is you know grabbing this woman oh, harry Maguire, harry Maguire in greece kind of yeah stuff, or was it yeah <laughs> something like oh it's just so ooh, it feels like it just it just it hurt. it's cringy it's really really cringy yeah 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 i think we have to go with pavel nedved <laughs> <laughs> the the pogba situation is more crazy uh it's serious it's i mean that's, that might have been a you know criminal offence committed, but the, the embarrassment, Nedved is, is for me, is, is very, the whole thing feels very 1990s English football, do you know what I mean? Like uh, like Christmas parties that Sir Alex Ferguson banned at Manchester United, kind of, you know, scandals that always happen. Mm. Um, it's just it's just embarrassing. I enjoyed the Chelsea fan shouting out at the Chelsea owner not to sign Gordon from Everton. Yeah, and, and that was very funny. I enjoyed that as well. But that isn't really a moment of Prefacery. No, that's just no, that's not Prefacery. That's just brilliant. That's, that's bad. That was just, just, just hilarious. Just, that was yeah. really funny. Telling him, not to, telling him not to sign him because he's shit. Don't sign Gordon. He's shit. <laughs> it was really funny. That made me laugh as well. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure there will be some. some oh, more, there's, there's one there'll be some week. more classic moments of print phase three this week in the final final week of the window. You can you can guarantee it um, mm, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, right. Okay, that's all we have time for today. We will be back on Tuesday for um, our Patreons um, Q and A. Yeah, yeah. Q and A from we'll our answer, patrons. We'll answer your questions that you send in. Then on Thursday, as I said before, we will have our um, patron exclusive Thursday review show and all the midweek matches in Serie A, plus a um, a review of the, the transfer window, which closes on on Thursday. There's going to be some certainly some more deals in the next few days. And also remember to uh, give us a five star rating on Spotify, iOS, uh, all these platforms where you listen to us. We really appreciate it. And if you want to get all the content, Patreon.com/slash/tifp two ninety nine excluding VAT per month. Talk to you all soon. Ciao, ciao.